Well, I got to tell you, there's just something right about waving palm branches on this day. That was precious. And we normally have them, you know, circle around through the auditorium, but uh, we don't have room. And with the auditorium looking the way it looks, we want all of our children sur to survive the morning. So we just had them stay in their seats. To all of you online and in-house, you are welcome in this place. The cross of Christ is not a mere historical event that we are to pay some thought to now and again. Alexander McLaren, look what he said. The cross is the center of the world's history. The incarnation of Christ and the crucifixion of our Lord are the pivot round which all the events of the ages revolve. The testimony of Christ was the spirit of prophecy, and the growing power of Jesus is the spirit of history. The cross is our worldview. The cross is our people view. It's the way that we look at each other. The cross clarifies our all view, the way that we interpret everything that happens in life. And the cross shows us how to live. It provides our living view. Wiersbe says, we can live on one of three levels. We can return evil for good, which is a satanic level. We can return good for good and evil for evil, which is the human level. Or we can return good for evil, which is the divine level. And the cross is the ultimate expression of returning good for evil. The links that God the Father was willing to go for the evils of our sin, it's incomprehensible. Billy Graham said, the cross shows us the seriousness of our sin, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. And it's that immeasurable love that just steadily draws us in. It's the motivating factor behind living through the cross. It's what an anonymous preacher in Africa, I wish I knew this guy's name and I wish I knew if he was still living, he put this together. Look, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die's been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished with done I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talk, or worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heavenward, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me, and when he comes for his own, he'll have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. Now there's a statement. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That guy knows in actuality what living through the cross looks like. Now, there is one particular word from Christ that may define how we are to live through the cross, maybe better than any other one word that Jesus gave. It's this one. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, 
and follow me. Now, the first words of this statement are quite something, something to think about in and of themselves. If anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wishes to follow me, if any of you wants to be my follower, those who want to come with me, anyone who intends to come with me can can a person, any person, anywhere, anytime that decides to go through this life with Jesus, can. There's nothing holding them back. Jesus says, if you want to come with me, it will involve denying self, taking up your cross, and then keeping on with the following. And denying self does not fly well in our culture at all. Walter Chantry, beloved pastor and theologian, said, As Christ struggled up Calvary's hill and bled upon it, his aim was to eradicate self-love and implant the love of God in the hearts of men. One can only increase as the other decreases. So a preoccupation with self is going to sabotage any effort that I make to live life through the cross. So, Jesus never said, listen to your heart. <laughs> he never said, be true to yourself. He never said, trust your gut. He never said, feel good about who you are. He never said, happiness is what matters. He never said, just be a good person. But he did say, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests. Now, it's words like this from our master that made people not so sure they wanted to keep following him. <laughs> but Luther got it right. Martin Luther, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing, is worth nothing. Jesus is the treasure in the field. And when you find that hidden treasure, you go and sell everything that you've got to buy that field because the treasure's worth it. And Jesus is that pearl of great price that the merchant is going through all the flea markets and, he's, and he finds it. He finds that pearl, and he sells everything in order because it's worth it. Charles Thomas stood. If Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Is my sacrifice really too much for him? Absolutely not. Back in the late 19th century and the earliest 20th century, there was a group of missionaries who became known as the one-way missionaries. Oh, yeah, the one-way missionaries. They packed all of their earthly belongings into a coffin, got a one-way ticket to some foreign land, knowing that they would never come back home. One-way missionaries. One such missionary was named A.W. Milne. He called... Was called, he felt the Spirit call him to a tribe of headhunters in the new Hebrides Islands. 
And when he set sail for this area, he did so knowing that all of the missionaries who had gone before him to the New Hebrides Islands were martyred. He went anyway with all of his belongings packed in a coffin. He lived among them for 35 years, never returned home. And when he died, the tribe buried him, and you know what they put on his death marker? When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Now there's a tribute. The cross shows us a living view that reveals the sheer privilege of denying myself. It's not a, oh, gotta be a Christian. Not do, what a privilege to not do what I want, but what he wants. Now, Jesus' next statement in this little verse had to be shocking to those who heard it back then. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. The cross, the instrument the Romans used to execute criminals who were cursed. Jesus said, if you wish to come with me, you'll need to accept the most shameful, cruel, and pitiful, I, I, I should, maybe should say painful, forms of death. Jesus said, following me will involve torture, suffering, and will eventually culminate in your physical death. To associate with the cross was to align yourself with the most brutal and barbaric of practices. Now, you think that the people quietly started slipping away when Jesus talked about self-denial? When he started talking about the cross, I had to believe that there was just a mass exodus. And I think it's the same temptation for people when they find out what Jesus is all about today. When I was thinking and meditating on what to share with you, this, this idea just hit me with conviction more than before. Let me explain. Don't get me wrong. I think that there is strong reason for us to preach on love and joy and peace and forgiveness and the themes that that fill us with joy and, and comfort. I, I, absolutely, we'll keep preaching on those things. But I also think we need the truth to hear on the promised pain and suffering to come and your surrender to Christ. Randy Alcorn, you remember, who has expanded our imagination on what heaven might be, taking different passages and just kind of cracking the door back on. We've done a series on heaven. If you haven't ever Listen to that. It might give you a lot of encouragement. He, 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 Randy Alcorn really helps us on that. But Randy Alcorn has also said this. Look at the screen. A false gospel has poisoned the church and undermined our ability to deal with evil and suffering. Some churches today have no place for pain. Those who say God has healed them get the microphone, while those who continue to suffer are shamed into silence or ushered out the back door. Now, of course, there is a place for joyful testimonies and, and stunning rescue stories. Absolutely. I love hearing them too. All of us do. But there should also be room for times of spiritual emptiness, of physical hurt. 
I think when Jesus tells us that a part of the following him will include cross-bearing, I think what he's doing is he's saying, I need you to commit to hanging on because this life that you're in, it's going to get a bit bumpy. Sometimes it will be a terrible tornado ripping through central Arkansas. So when the aftermath of evil surrounds us, Jesus says that following him will include bearing loads that at times will crush you and you will fall. Now, if the Son of God fell under the weight, what makes us think that we're immune to that? We will too. In a way, the cross reveals what lies Within, I mean, it's kind of like the tea bag. If you really want to know what the tea bag has in it, just pour some hot scalding water over it. If you really want to know what's in the Christian, just put them under some hot scalding water. What's in there will come out. Some people would prefer not to talk about this side of following Jesus. But you know what, Jesus, he talked about it. In Midtown Manhattan in New York City, a church was broken into and thieves stole a money box situated near the candle rack. Three weeks later, the church was burglarized a second time, but this time the thieves stole a four-foot plaster statue of Jesus from the crucifix but left the cross behind. And when interviewed by the media, the caretaker of David St. James Church expressed his bewilderment. They just decided, we're going to leave the cross but just take Jesus. Sounds about right, doesn't it? I think that's what Jesus is telling us. If you want to come with me, I come with a cross. It forces us to decide whether, whether we think it's, it's really worth it. Am I, am I going to go with Jesus if it means that? And that decision has to be made continually. Look again at the verse. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The follower of Christ is marked by self-denial, cross-bearing, and continual following, a moment-by-moment choice to follow Jesus wherever he leads. There's a publication, a Christian publication called Leadership Journal, and one of the contributors put this on it. Look at the screens. If we or the world could be saved through human kindness or clear thinking, well, Jesus would have formed a sensitivity group and urged us to share our feelings, or he would have founded a school and asked us to have discussions. But knowing the ways of God, the way of the world, and the persistence of human sin, he took up the cross, called disciples, gathered the church, and bade us follow him down a different path of freedom. And to follow down that different path, we have to have a different ability to perceive things 
spiritually. Yancey, in his book, Seeing the Invisible God, explained it. He said, it's like those animals which see and hear things we humans can't even pick up on. Bats detect insects by sonar. Pigeons navigate by magnetic fields. Bloodhounds smell things we could never smell. To keep following Jesus, we need to have this spiritual perception. And the guide that Jesus left us to keep following him is the Holy Spirit that he will give you in your surrender to his lordship. The Holy Spirit allows us to see and hear those spiritual messages to keep following Jesus. But without the Holy Spirit, we don't have that spiritual perception to see what Jesus is saying. So we're kind of just walking through blind, only able to see physical. Just last Wednesday night at the men's Bible study, one of our guys, Kenny, Kenny reminded us of the story of Jim Elliott. And I, I, I thought, oh, that's exactly what I need to share right here. You guys, in 1955, some of you have seen the movie, The End of the Spirit. In 1955, five young men, Nate Saint, Ed McCauley, Jim Elliott, Peter Fleming, and Roger Uterin, heard the Holy Spirit call them to follow Jesus into the Ecuadorian jungle. And they would share the good news of Jesus with a dangerous and isolated tribe deep in that dense rainforest. And after many months of work, they established contact trying to demonstrate their friendly intentions. And finally, on January the 6th, the Aka Indians, Aka, which is interpreted by the other uh, uh, tribes around, literally means savage, they sent a man, a woman, and a teenage girl to these five men. And the meeting was friendly. The meeting went great until it suddenly and abruptly ended. And then those three Aka Indians just hastily departed. And the five guys weren't really sure what that meant. But two days later, on January the 8th in, 1970, in 1956, at about 3 p.m., all five of those missionaries were speared to death at their camp. Now, these five men were fully armed. They were fully armed and had the ability to defend themselves. In fact, Uteran was a World War II paratrooper who had fought in the Battle of the Bulge and was part of General Eisenhower's honor guard and a specialist in wilderness survival. Oh, their lives did not have to end. In fact, all of the men knew that the Aka Indians had never seen outsiders carrying guns. And each of these five carried sidearms in full view, and they all had rifles as well. They had decided at last resort to fire their guns into the air to try to ward off the attack, but they had already made a decision beforehand that no one of them would shoot any one of those Aka Indians in an effort to save their own life. We're not going to do that. Later, it was found out that that's exactly what happened. They did fire in the air. One fired into a brush, and it nicked one of the Aka Indians. That was how the Aka Indians found out the truth. Only after killing these men did the Indians realize that they were friendly and that they had the ability to kill them, but didn't. So when news of their deaths reached America, 
Look Magazine did a feature article on these five martyrs and concluded the copy with this sentence, what a waste. And everybody who read Luke Magazine just kind of went, oh, man, what a downer, until they found Jim Elliott's diary. And he had how the article should have ended because in his diary are these words you've heard before. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now, that's the ending. Is Jesus giving us an entirely new living view with reference to life and death? Is it possible to live this life with no fear of death? Does living through the cross mean that death is but a doorway into our intended next life? Did those who witnessed the resurrection catch this vision of life and death? Well, I'm glad you asked because look what one of them wrote. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I don't really know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and to be with Christ, which would be far better. Now, you guys, that, that is an accurate living view because he's living through the cross. Father, we are so blinded by this physical existence that we forget that there's something that we're intended to from the beginning that's on the other side of physical death. So we let our life here occupy our thinking and our motivation and our goals, and we're so busy about what we might do here to make our physical life better that we ignore our eternal tomorrow. And I don't want it to be just on Palm Sunday leading up to Easter. I just pray, Father, that we would be a people that understand and learn how to live through the cross, that our living view would be accurate and would be true. So hear us as we sing these truths to you in this next song. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, church, let's stand. Let's stand and sing this. <laughs>